Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. This is in John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. His ascension is when he was glorified. He has gone through the ascension. We're on the other side of the time when he spoke this. So now we have the Spirit living in us like rivers of flowing water coming out of us and through us. So this is my question for you this morning. I ask you to be Try to be as honest with yourself as you can because I'm seeking to be honest with myself about these things. Does the Holy Spirit's presence and power in your life look more like rivers of flowing water coming out of your heart and moving in your life or more like a trickle from a faucet? We need to be honest with ourselves about that this morning because you can imagine, because we have living in us the Holy Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Jesus. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the same one that the New Testament says is our comforter and our helper. He's the one who transforms us. He's the one that enables us. It's the same God who lives in us who spoke the universe into existence and everything that is in it. It's the same God who opened up the Red Sea so that Israel could pass through on dry ground, but in the backhand, he brought that same uh, Red Sea over the Egyptian army to drown an entire army. It's the same God who caused manna to fall out of heaven to feed his people while they were in the wilderness. This is the same God who lives in us who, can, who caused a virgin girl to conceive with a God-man in her womb. This is the same God who turned water into wine. This is the same God who fed 5,000 people with just a few fish and loaves and there were basketfuls left over. This is the same God who rose up Jesus from the dead and he lives in you and me. So I gotta ask you again. <laughs> What's your experience of the Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing those rivers of a mighty water flowing in you and through you? Or does it feel more like just a trickle of the Spirit's power is in my life? This is a very serious question. And we have to take an honest look at that because if we really aren't experiencing those rivers of living water flowing through us, we really need to address that. I think this uh, picture here helps us understand the problem. You notice the faucet's on full blast, but there's a block in the flow of the water that's going on so that what's coming out of the end of the hose is just a trickle of water. Now we see the problem. 
The problem isn't just that the elephant stepped on the hose as he was walking someplace, but he's standing right there on the hose so that this flow of water that's supposed to come through the hose can't come through, and all that's coming out is a trickle on the other end. And brothers and sisters, that's the exact same problem that we have when all we're experiencing is a trickle of water. We ourselves are standing on the hose. Not just a mess up here and there, but sins that are habitual in our lives and we refuse to face and repent of become like standing on the hose of the Spirit of God seeking to move through our lives so that all that comes out on the other end is a trickle of water. So this is my message this morning. This is the whole message right here in just a few words. I'll give you a couple extra and then I'll, I'll boil it down. A lifestyle of sin grieves the spirit. A lifestyle of sin grieves the spirit. But I wanna add another thought to that. Resulting in quenching the spirit. So a lifestyle of sin grieves the Holy Spirit, which results in quenching the Spirit's work in our life. If you say, hey, that's too many words to remember, it's too many words for me to remember, so this is the way I would remember it. Grieving the Spirit quenches the Spirit. Can you remember that? Grieving the Holy Spirit quenches the Spirit. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Let's start by looking at this whole idea of a lifestyle of sin. And while I say it's, it's a lifestyle, it's a habit, it's a refusal to repent and face up to the sin in my life that causes this grieving and not just a mess up here and there. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. You know, we're going through the book of Ephesians. And in chapter four, we, we, we've moved from that section about all our blessings that we have in Jesus to now to our walk with Christ in light of all those blessings. From chapter four, verse one, all the way to chapter six, verse nine, it talks about our walk with Jesus, our habitual lifestyle that we have as Christians. And we learned in uh, chapter four, verse 17 to 19, we're not supposed to walk like the rest of the world. Because how does the rest of the world walk? They walk in the emptiness of their mind. And what he means by that is they have a mind that's empty of God's word and of God's life. And so he's saying, don't walk like them because that's where their walk comes from. Then he goes on and says, don't even walk to the way you used to live before you knew Jesus because your old self has been put off and you've put on a new self. And then he comes to verses 25 through 32 where he talks about specific applications in light of that our old self has been put off and our new self has been put on and how we're to walk. And he says we're no longer to lie, but we're to tell the truth. We're no longer to hang on to anger, but rather we're to let anger only be short-lived in our life and to deal with it quickly. We're no longer to be people who steal, but rather we're to be people who work hard with our hands so we have something to share with others. And then we saw last week 
that he said, we're not to be people who hurt other people with our words, but we're to be people who are helping other people and building them up and helping them endure the need they have in that very moment by our words. So this whole section is talking about a lifestyle, a habitual way of living that is inconsistent with who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. And then we come to verse 30 in Ephesians chapter four, and he talks about grieving the spirit of God. And what we're seeing here is we, we've built the context. Now we're gonna read verse 30 and uh, my Bible says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I hate to admit this, because you guys know I use the New American Standard because it is so tight to the Greek translation. I don't want to keep on saying the Greek says this, the Greek says that, but I just want to read it. But you know what? Probably almost every one of you has a different translation. Your verse starts with and. <laughs> Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm humbled to admit this, but the New American Standard got it wrong here. And I don't know what they did because you go to the Greek text and it starts with the word chi, which means and. And so what's happening here is verse 30 is linked directly to verse 29. We learned that last week, remember? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. So it'll give grace to those who hear. You know what? We can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we talk to one another. But that end also links it to everything that's gone before. You know, it talks about the lying and the anger and the stealing as well as our words. But there's a special link to the importance of our words and the way we can grieve the Holy Spirit with that. But any sin... And he goes on afterwards, reading uh, verse 31 and 32, as he finishes this thought. So we see all these different things that are supposed to not be true of us because we're not who we used to be. Then he says this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. What clamor is, is insisting on my way and not quitting and, uh, you know, just... You know, a, a, a just a refusal to back off and listen to anybody else. Slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Brothers and sisters, right in the middle of this whole section, of all these different kinds of sins or what we're not to do or what we are to do, these are the kind of things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, what does it mean to grieve the Spirit? The word grieve means to make someone sad or sorrowful. Susan and Peter, you understand that recently. Bill, 
you do with your family and the loss of your loved ones. And it's an interesting word because grief, this deep sadness and sorrow, you know, the closer the relationship, the deeper the grief. Uh, I'm very sad about Dale, I'm very sad about Betty. I knew them both and loved them both. But you know what? I know nothing of the kind of grief you guys are going through. And this is a word that is taken from a Greek word that has to do with two people who are in a deep love relationship with one another. This isn't a distant grief by the Holy Spirit where he just goes, oh yeah, that, that, that's, that makes me a little sad that, that Pat's hanging on to that sin. No, this is the kind of love that someone who's close up to somebody and loves them deeply starts to experience. This word is used, was used back at that time to communicate the kind of feeling and stress that a husband or wife would feel when they found out that their mate was unfaithful to them. That's the depth of the kind of grief that the Holy Spirit has. Listen to the way that one scholar translates this. Stop deeply wounding and causing such extreme emotional pain to the Spirit of God. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, hey, he's God, he can handle it, no biggie. Yeah, I said, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? what? What we're learning here is that when we hang on to our sins, we're causing a deep emotional pain to the Spirit of God. We need to remember this. The spirit is not an it. He's a person. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. The spirit doesn't have emotions like us. We have emotions like the spirit because we've been created in his image. And a lot of us, we kind of poo-poo the emotional part and we're all kind of like this and that. You know what? The God feels he's not a stoic God. He's not just kind of impassionate about what happens. He's feeling deeply the pain when we hang on to our sins. And it's a deep pain that is going down in the person of God as he feels it. I was gonna say this later, but I'll say it now. As I thought about this passage, Jesus felt the pain of our sin on the cross. The Holy Spirit feels the pain of our sins in our heart. That's what this passage is telling me. That there's a deep pain that the Holy Spirit is experiencing when I refuse to deal with my sins. And I keep on hanging on to a life, an attitude, a talk, and a walk that looks like the world or the way I used to live rather than as the new creature that I am. So that's what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to note in this passage, by the way, before we move on, these sins are sins we commit against each other in the body of Christ. So, when I hurt you by sinning against you in these ways, it hurts the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. I'm not just hurting you. <laughs> I'm not just doing whatever I am to you but now because the Holy Spirit loves you and me, he's deeply in pain over what's going on. I can relate to that as a parent. You know, when, when two of my kids aren't getting along, uh, fortunately that has happened very seldom in our family. We're grateful for that. 
but the pain that goes on in a parent's heart <laughs> when my kids aren't getting along and connecting with one another is big and every parent in here knows what that's like. And that's what the Holy Spirit feels when we sin against one another. But this is what I wanna go on this morning to say is that while our sin grieves the Spirit, it results in quenching the Spirit's work in our life. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Give you a second to get there. I want you to see the text for yourself. My devotional again the other day was in um, Genesis chapter three, just yesterday about Satan and how he just adds or twists a little word. That's how he works. It's so important we get God's word right because Satan one of his primary attacks is against God's word and he doesn't want us to know it or hear it or receive it or understand it. Guys, the sharper we are on the word of God, the better we'll be equipped for Satan not to trip us up. That's why we preach God's word rather than Pat's best ideas. Now listen to what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 20 says. Rejoice always, and all these are, by the way, in the present tense, which means just like we saw in uh, Ephesians 4, these are habitual things. These should be our practice. We should be people that are always rejoicing. We should be praying without ceasing, in everything giving thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. You see, when we grieve the Spirit, we saw in Ephesians 4, we're sinning against one another. Here he's talking about quenching the Spirit, and that's not giving the Spirit the fuel he needs kind of to burn brightly within our hearts. You see, what's the fuel? The fuel is rejoicing always. The fuel is praying without ceasing the fuel is to be grateful for everything. The fuel is to receive God's word and not put out your arms and resist it and stand against it. So on the one hand in Ephesians 4, we see, uh, see man, what they call sins of commission. That's where I do something that I should not do. I'm doing something God told me not to do. And a sin of commission is when I actively violate that. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, we see sins of omission. These are things God tells me I should do, but I'm not doing them. You follow me? <laughs> Ephesians 4, God tells me don't do these things, but I'm doing them. That's a sin of commission. 1 Thessalonians 5, God says do these things, but I'm not doing it. I'm omitting it from my life. And when I do that, I quench the spirit of God's work in my life. Quench is a very simple word. It means to extinguish a fire. That's all it means. And whether I sin by commission, Ephesians 4, by hurting my brother or sister, or I sin by omitting things that God's calling me to do to keep the fire going, it's like putting a wet blanket over the work of the Spirit of God in my life. 
See, my point this morning is very simple. Sin, whether it's I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing or whether I'm neglecting what I should be doing to foster and build my relationship with Jesus, that kind of sin quenches the Spirit of God. And turn to Isaiah 63, because I, I want to show you this passage puts those two together. I believe grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit are one coin with two different sides. And Isaiah 63 helps us see that. Huh. Okay. Let me uh, just do that. I never left my other notes at home that I usually use, but that's okay. We'll go with what we got. He says this in Isaiah 63 as he starts off talking about God pouring his love on Israel. I shall make mention of the loving kindness of the Lord. The praises of the Lord according to all the Lord has granted us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel which he has granted them according to his compassion. You see these words? Loving kindness, goodness, compassion and according to the abundance of his loving kindness. For he, God said, surely these are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. Remember, we just learned about grief. Guess what? God feels our pain. <laughs> He's not a distant, impassionate, stoic God. In all the afflictions of Israel, he felt their pain. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. But then something happened. Listen to this. But they rebelled. They sinned and grieved his Holy Spirit. God's pouring out his love upon the nation of Israel. But something happened. They rebelled against God they shook their fist in God's face about some things God wanted them to do. And the Holy Spirit ended up grieved. But then we learn after that, not only did something happen, something changed. Because look what he says in verse 10. As I finish, it says, but they rebelled and grieved his spirit. Therefore, here's the result of that. He turned himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. Then his people remembered the days of old to Moses. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea? You hear what they're saying? Wait a minute. We were experiencing all this love and power of God and all of a sudden it's gone. Where is he? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them? who caused this glorious arm, they're talking about his strength, to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths. Where is he? 
You know, and that's the question we're asking today. What happened? We're experiencing all of God's love and power in my life. Then something happened. Now it's only like a trickle in my life rather than a powerful flow of rivers of water. We know what happened. They sinned and grieved his Holy Spirit. And when that happened, everything changed. This reminds me of Psalm 30. He said this, Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved, O Lord. By your favor, you have made my mountain to stand. I've been there before, guys. You've been there before. When God's favor's on you, his face is shining on you, and you know, you just sense God's presence and his power. You feel strong, you feel immovable. You know, there's just that sense of God moving. But look at what happens here. You hid your face. And I was dismayed. All of a sudden, guess what that means? When God hides his face, he removes his favor from you. And all of a sudden, when God's favor is removed, when God's power and presence don't seem to be what it used to be, I'm finding myself all dismayed and all anxious and all fearful and all distracted and all not knowing what to do and all overwhelmed by what's happening. When we grieve the Spirit, we quench the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. We take rivers and we reduce them to trickles in our life. Now, let me tell you, we're in the new covenant with, with our Lord Jesus who, who ratified that covenant at the cross. This was the old covenant on Isaiah. So I'm not here to tell you this morning that God's gonna turn against you as your enemy. And I'm not saying he's gonna withdraw his spirit from you. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is this though, what we knew in the New Testament is that sin will quench the work of the spirit in our lives. And it's more my doing than God's doing. It is because God has turned against me and God has said, you're my enemy and now I'm gonna do this, but rather I'm standing on the hose and I'm blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit and I'm quenching it because I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing and things I should be doing, I'm not doing. And so it's not because God turns against us as our, as our enemy and takes a spirit from us, but we in our sin have quenched the flow of the Spirit of God in our lives. You say, this is serious stuff, isn't it? When we live and act like the world, when my attitudes reflect that of the world, when my thinking is like that of the world, when my actions and my talk are like that of the world, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we don't repent of that and change from that, we quench the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. So what do we do with this? Go back to the, let's go back to this picture. We see the hoses on full blast. We see again the elephant that's supposed to be an angry elephant, by the way, if you're wondering. His anger is blocking the flow of the water, and in our case, the rivers of flowing water from flowing out of our lives, so all that he experiences is a trickle. 
So what do we got to do? Guess what? We got to get off the hose. Get off the hose. And you know what that means? The Bible calls it repentance. This is what repentance is. Repentance is, is that the way that I think has changed so deeply about the way that I'm living that it changes the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the attitudes that I carry. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. And until we come to God and we repent and come to God in all the honesty of our heart and say, God, I've been hanging on to this. I have refused to deal with this. I've taken this so lightly until I come to him and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to come into my life and to burn away this junk in my life that is blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, I like to say it this way. The Holy Spirit is the statin that breaks down the spiritual cholesterol of sin. Those who take cholesterol medication, they're statins. And they're there to keep the flow going and to break down some of what's there. And we need the Holy Spirit to break down that stuff that's in our hearts, that's keeping us from living with rivers of living water flowing in me and through me to the glory of God. So consider this morning just this. Consider the sins that we've already seen. Again, we're not talking about just a mess up here and there. I had an outburst of something. But rather, we're talking about those we hang on to, refuse to let go, and we persist in. We don't repent of them. We talked about lying in Ephesians 4. We talked about anger. We talked about stealing. We talked about our words. We saw in Thessalonians things we don't do that we should be doing. We talked about we should be rejoicing all the time. Uh, we should be praying without ceasing. In everything we should be giving God thanks. And we should be receiving his word rather than despising his word. And then we saw afterwards in Ephesians 4, it talks about not hanging on to bitterness, to wrath, to anger, to clamor. Again, clamor is that loudly insisting upon my way without willing to give. Slander, malice. Malice is when I desire somebody else's pain. I want to see them suffer because of what they did. It's when we're not kind or tenderhearted and forgiving one another. Those are the things that quench the Spirit of God in our life. I drew an image that I, I hope can summarize the whole, actually I didn't, Dave Horechny did it for me. Thank you, David. But uh, it kind of communicates what's going on here. You know, the Spirit of God is like the wine of life. You know, he's pouring it into our lives. And what happens is, is when we are rejoicing and praying and thanking and, and in his word and receiving it deep within our beings, it's pouring into our lives the Spirit of God. But what we see here, as we go down, we see cracks in the vessel. And we see stuff leaking out. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 20, we see the sins of omission. You know what the sins of omission is? There's no wine pouring in. I'm not pouring any wine into my heart 
to keep the fire of the Spirit going. I'm not rejoicing and praying and thanking and getting in his word. In Ephesians 4, the sins of commission, where I'm persisting in the sins that I'm living and hurting brothers and sisters in Christ and refusing to repent of it. And you know what happens? It comes out the cracks. And so you know what happens when you don't keep pouring in the things we should to keep the fire going, giving the fuel to the Holy Spirit to keep the fire going in our lives? So cut off all the flow at the top. And if we got these sins going on in our lives and we're not doing it, guess what? It's leaking out the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit's not leaving. There's a figure of his working in our lives. But there's a power and a sense of his presence and the flow that comes down to a trickle. But brothers and sisters, if we're giving the Holy Spirit the things to fuel him, the rejoicing, the prayer, the thanks, and the word. And if we patch up the holes, how do we patch up the holes? I repent. And I open up myself to the Spirit of God. I get off the holes and I step back. And I say, God, come in my life and burn away all this junk that's blocking the flow of the Spirit of God in my life. I open my heart to him and allow him to move. That's what we need to do. We need to repent. And I, I just want to close with this question. I said this to my wife this week as I was learning these truths in a fresh way from my own heart. I said, Kim, why do I and why do we take our sins so lightly? when we cause the Holy Spirit so much pain. Remember, he deeply loves you. It's a pain that's equal to the kind of pain that a mate feels when they found out that their mate has been unfaithful to them. How can I keep on taking so lightly the sins in my life when I'm not only grieving the Holy Spirit, but I'm quenching the power of his work in my life. I leave you with that question because I'm asking myself that. I'm asking God to give me a new carefulness and a new attitude towards my sins even. And, oh, he's God, he's a stoic God, he can handle it, no biggie. Jesus dealt with it at the cross, no. The Holy Spirit's feeling the pain of it every day in my heart as I refuse to step back. So I leave you with that question as I pray. Guys, why are we, as believers in Jesus, taking our sins so lightly when we're grieving the Holy Spirit so deeply and quenching his work in our lives? Father, I just pray that, uh, God, I pray that last thing I just talked about, I, I need it. My sense is there may be some brothers and sisters here that need it, Lord. We've taken our sins too lightly as believers. Oh yeah, Jesus dealt with it at the cross. He's God, he can handle it, no biggie. No, Lord, we're hurting your spirit and we are quenching his work in our lives. And I pray, God, would you burn that in my heart and my brothers and sisters' hearts here today by your spirit in such a way that we'll never forget. I thank you in the new covenant, Lord. You write your laws upon our heart. 
God, would you write this truth upon our hearts in a way that we never forgive it, forget it? Lord, would you, would you give us a new sensitivity and a carefulness to the way we walk and the way we talk and the attitudes that we carry? And Father, I wanna pray for this. Search me, O oh God, and try me and see if there's any hurtful way in me. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would search every person, starting with me, every person in this room, every person online in their homes, every person be listening this week. God, would you search us and try us and show us if there's any hurtful ways in us. And God, would you lead us in the way of everlasting. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.